The God of all comfort, part three. Uh, as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we take our time through this because it's important to understand what the Word of God says, and we often compare Scripture with Scripture. So the reason we only get through one or two verses is because we'll take that verse, look at the context of the passage, look for other passages that teach these same doctrines, and look at the whole counsel of the Word of God and come together to bear the truth of what the Word of God says so that our minds can be settled on the doctrine of God's Word as opposed to our own imaginings, our own wanderings of mind, but to be anchored in doctrine. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is a passage that is at least in my mind, arguably one of the definitive passages on understanding uh, comfort, understanding the reason for comfort, understanding struggle in life so that we would understand why <clears throat> we go through or how we're to go through the struggles of life that we face. So this passage begins, 2 Corinthians 1, Paul an epistle, Paul an apostle <laughs> of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, we spent an entire Sunday just on this concept of blessed be God, the idea of praise, honored, and worship. <coughs> blessed be God, even the Father, <coughs> excuse me, of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. So when we look at verse 3, we're looking really at, in part as to what we do every Sunday. <clears throat> it's why we call the church in to this auditorium. It's why we come together and we sing songs. It's different than Sunday school. Sunday school accomplishes many of the same priorities. <clears throat> Excuse me, but some of the unique priorities of a worship service are to lift and adore the name of God, the person of God. So in verse 3, and by the way, I'm going to probably cough my way all through the service uh, just because I am. I don't think I'm sick, except for here. Part of it comes from not preaching for a few weeks and getting the cobwebs out, I think. All right, so verse 3 we're anchored in worship. We are anchored in lifting up the name of God. Blessed be God. Now, it goes on to give you the reasons why God is to be praised, why God is to be exalted. I've taken a lot of time already to talk about this, but in, at, at its end, you have these four titles, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Okay? So God, the Father of our Lord Jesus... <coughs> the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now, this aspect of comfort, we find exploration into that in this next verse. He tells us about this God of comfort, who is the God of comfort, but then does something as the God of comfort. And what he does is, by nature of his person and title, ministers comfort to us. So read verse 4 while I drink. You read verse 4 out loud together. Who comfort us. So he is comforting us, but I'm going to kind of do this in a little bit of a backward way. He comforts us, and I'm going to deal with that second. But he comforts us in all our tribulation. So, let me ask you, do you face tribulation? Hello? You with me? If I asked you to, could you name some of your tribulations? The, <laughs> the older of you? The older of you find it easier to name your tribulations, don't you? That's not an accusation, that's reality. And it's not because you're a complainer. You've seen more of life, you've seen more of trouble, you've experienced it, yes? Hello? In your life? 
this is a dicey question. Is your comfort, excuse me, is your tribulation unique to you? That's a dicey question, isn't it? In some ways, you could answer yes, because you're an individual, and let's put it this way. Uh, Now, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk about the accident all the time, Um, but I'm not the only one who's been in an accident, right? Yesterday, I saw it happen right here at the corner coming north on the Walmart turn at the Chevron, two red lights and a green arrow which meant the green arrow on the other side was coming across. As they came across, the lady heading north never touched her brakes, never touched them, went straight through and did not, honestly, the way it looked, she didn't even know it until her car hit the other car. And I, 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 went to, I, told, I think I told uh, Chris Ellison, I said, I don't ever want to see accidents. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see them. I'm not the only one that's ever been through them, though. But my experience through that is mine. I'm not the only one, but my experience is mine. So in one respect, it's unique to us, but in another respect, it's not. Other people have been there. Other people have experienced suffering as well. And I want to say this about that. We don't need to qualify our experiences in, in suffering. And I want to give everybody a pass on this. And I'm, I recognize this is me, and you're talking to me and, and nobody else at this time. I, I feel bad for people that, are talking to me about something they're struggling with. And in the middle of their conversation, they will almost, not almost, they, I've had it happen several times, where people will stop and they'll say, oh, I shouldn't be telling you this because I, I, what I've gone through is nothing like what you've gone through. And, and that's not the point. You don't have to go what I've gone through to know suffering. You don't have to go through the same way that someone else has to know suffering. The point is, all of us are going to face it and do. And unique to our circumstances that God ministers to us because we are in a sin-cursed, fallen world and we need comfort. We need it. In a very unique creation of God, we experience on this planet the curse and feel the oppression of that curse. And all of us do. So what I'm saying, I'm giving you a pass. Please don't ever feel like you need to apologize when you're telling me something that you're dealing with. I had somebody, they had a, they had a splinter. You ever had a splinter that you can't get out? Does it hurt? Can it keep you awake at night? Is it the same as a car accident? No, but who cares? Pain is pain. Right? Right? So it doesn't have to be the same for me to legitimize that. And by the way, it's not even complaining. It's a reality that life, can we say this? Life can hurt. And because it can and does, God ministers to you, hear me, where you sit, where you are. You don't have to legitimize it by, well, I don't suffer like they do. Or I've not had it as bad as they have. No, but you have your own. And God knows that, and God speaks directly to that. The God of all comfort comforts us in all of our tribulation. Now, this word tribulation, thlepsis, or thlipsis, it is given in its variant forms as verb or uh, how it's defined in its various uh, uh, aspects of the use of the word. It's given 12 times in 2 Corinthians. 12 times. And the emphasis of that to you this morning is to say that this theme is very much a part of 2 Corinthians and the doctrinal base that God wants you to know. Now, it answers in part why is there suffering in the world. Now, this message is not the God of all comfort, why is there suffering in the world. 
But by looking at verse 4 and its preceding verses and following, we begin to have a door open to us to understand the mind of God and how we fit in God's creation and how we fit in the context of a world that's messed up and us who are messed up in it. The word actually comes from an idea of a pressing. Now, I, I had labored over whether I should actually give this illustration because it's not friendly. Now, it's not based in European torture, but in the history of European torture, uh, some say in the 16th century-ish around that time, there was a style of torture or a style of execution, actually, that would take boulders. When I say boulders, I mean not huge ones, but heavy ones. Place them on people and let them suffer and then come and place more and then come and place more until finally they were crushed to death. So the word means a pressure, a pressing down. It metaphorically represents affliction. It is, as defined here, tribulation. It means distress. So all of those, all of those, all of those troubles we face. Now, it is true that in the Bible, when we read about persecution and affliction and trial of faith, that is very often linked to the idea of standing for Christ. But I want to, be, want to make this uh, uh, clear. While I'm going to give you several passages that identify suffering because of Christ, it is not the only suffering that God ministers to. So take your Bibles to John 15. I just want everybody to witness right now that I'm drinking water. You see that? You tell my chiropractor I drank water. My chiropractor tells me to drink water all the time and I always tell him, well, water's in coffee. That's just good doctrine right there. It's not good medicine. But it's good. All right, John 15, John 15. Would you read verses 18 through 21 out loud with me? If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Doctrine matters. Now, there's a few things here. We do not need to go through life as victims, as Christians, and suck our thumbs and say, oh, the world doesn't like me. But we also need to get over it. And stop expecting that the world's going to like Christian doctrine. That the world's going to embrace Christianity. The world is not going to embrace Christianity. Hello. Hello. Do you know that? It's the grace of God that anybody is saved. It's the grace of God that anybody is saved today. And God is still in the business of saving souls. That it doesn't mean there can't be revival. It doesn't mean that God isn't working in the lives of people. But the system of this world is against God, not a friend of God, and will fight God until judgment day. Now what that tells me is that I now understand that there will be a pressure in my life when it comes to living my faith. We need to stop living in the context of giving the gospel that I will only give the gospel if I am not attacked. Or I will only give the gospel if it seems I can do so in peace or somebody's not going to get mad at me. 
We need to throw that, whatever you want to call that, if you want to call it doctrine, away. It isn't about the world's acceptance. It's about the peace of God being offered to sinful man. And God still saves souls. It's not up to us to make, make people want it. It's up to us to share it without regard to what they think of us. Have you ever been threatened because you've given the gospel? I have. Have you ever had a door slammed in your face? I have. My favorite statement of all as a young believer, it was in Watertown, Wisconsin, where I was going to Bible college, as I recall. I went to a guy's door. I was walking to the door, and I don't know if I had a big Bible in my hand or what. I was walking up to his door, and I knocked on the door, and I was talking to his wife, uh, and I just introduced myself and, and whatnot about the church or the gospel. And from the back comes this guy. He's got no shirt on, and he's, and he's a hairy mess. And, and he, he, he walks to the door, and he says, get off my porch, or I'll blow your head off. Okay, all right, uh, see ya. <laughs> see you later. Um, I, didn't I didn't choose at that point. Well, bless God, I'm going to, no, I, 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 I say, okay. Um, my point is, you know, you, there are people who say, well, I, I don't want to give the gospel because I'm afraid. Look. What are you afraid of? I think what we're afraid of is non-acceptance many times. We have a false expectation. Is this world about acceptance or about loving your Lord? I, I don't know. I wish I could say that better. We have this concept many times that pressure, we should be free from it. But God, in his design, does not leave us free from pressure. Okay? And he actually wants to use that pressure to glorify his name of all people through you. Hello? Through you. So, in John 15, we recognize the world is not amicable to Christ. In the next chapter, we read in verses 31 through 33 some things as well. So John 16. John 16, 31 through 30, I'll read it for us. Do you now believe, and this is, you know, there's some context back of this, and I'm going to leave that unsaid at the point. I don't think it's going to change the application here. It says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. He's talking to his disciples, okay? You shall leave me alone and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now, in verse 32, there is a pressure and the pressure does what? What's it do? The pressure scatters. You ever see these, uh, every once in a while I'll see these videos I don't even know what it's called. I'm sorry to be that ignorant. But there's some kind of a press, and it's got a big metal plate on the bottom of it. And then it goes into a cylindrical plate that matches this circle. And, it's, it's, and what they do is they do these videos of squishing things. And then on the sides of that plate, there are little holes, and they, they, they squish all kinds of stuff. And invariably, if it doesn't break upon impact... It gets squished down, and what happens as it gets squished? It jets out the holes that are surrounding this pressure plate. And that's what pressure does. It moves. It directs. Channels. And many times doesn't happen unless pressure is applied. Well... The pressure of the disciples is going to scatter them. Now, you can argue fear, flight, self-preservation, they scatter. Verse 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me, please read this out loud with me, that in me ye might have Peace, period. All right, now before we go any further, 
What's God want you to have in the midst of this scattering or this pressure? Peace. I don't want to be heavy-handed with this because I understand that many times this can be a learning journey. So don't get me wrong when I say that. I'm going to ask you to give some grace to how I say it. But if we don't have peace in the midst of the pressure, something's wrong with our doctrine. And I recognize that that's a journey. And that while you may not have peace in the moment right now, that it is what the Lord is drawing you to. And good doctrine affects your behavior and your feelings. And you might say, well, how in the world can I have peace with what I am facing? I'm going to tell you that many times the reason we don't have peace is because our focus is in the wrong direction. Our focus is on the wrong thing. And are you with me? Here's how we are. I'm going to share some things. Eh, uh, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> uh, we want to get out of pressure. We want out of it. Don't want to be in it. For the first time in my life, in going through the things that I've gone through in the last eight months, I have, for the first time, experienced, what's it called? Oh, panic attacks. I'd never had those before. They are exciting. <laughs> they are exciting. And uh, the illustration I have of that is Joe was sitting on the arm of the love seat. Um, this was back early when I was first home. And uh, as he was over there, uh, all of a sudden in my mind, I mean, in, a, in, a, in an instant, um, my mind went to, I want to get up to be with him, and I couldn't. And my mind went immediately to, I am trapped, and I want to get out of this. And so my mind immediately went to running, and in an instant, I wanted to scream. And it took me 30 minutes to come down from that. And to get over the, you know. It only happened maybe three to five times in my experience so far. But this is what happens for us when we face pressure. Many times we're scattered because we want to get out of it. It's going to take some maturity to receive what I'm going to say right now. It's not always God's design to get you out of something. It's God's design to carry you through it. I get very conflicted. I'm not greater than God. I'm certainly not more compassionate than God. But I'll hear of a believer suffering Part of my heart wants to say, hey, you know, I want to get you out of that. I want to take that away. But then there's also a part of me that says, I know God wants to use this in your life. And you are uniquely called to go through this leaning on God. And I want to help you in every way I can. And by the way, it is the nature that God uses his people to relieve suffering in the world. Amen? Hello? Yes, we do. It's, it is how God uses his people. But in this world, we're going to face tribulation. We're going to face trouble. He says that you might have peace, but in, he says this, in the world ye shall have tribulation. There's a semicolon after that, or a colon after that. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. Do you get it? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can you praise God for that? 
We are overcomers because he is. We have strength because he has strength. We have comfort in the midst of all the ugly because of him. In my life, this is my day-to-day. I don't always recognize it. My wife sometimes recognizes it before I do. (laughs) I'm not sure it's a great statement. But she says, you're in pain, aren't you? And I said, well, I always am. But she said, your face says so. (laughs) I see, she says it more like, I see it on your face. And this is my experience. There are times where pain is enough to drive a person to bed. There are people not here today because that's where they are. And in those times, I take a deep breath and I'm in pain and I trust God. And by the way, I do everything I can to get out of it. I use ice, I use massage therapy, I go to a chiropractor, I, I take ibuprofen, I do, what I, I do what I can do to get out of it. But this is what I do. I thank God for the grace and the mercy to carry me in the midst of it. I want to tell you something about today. I feel pretty good. And in those times, I thank God that he got me through what I came through. And how I feel right now may not be how I feel in an hour, but he got me through right now, and he'll get me through in the next hour. He comforts in all of our tribulations. Can we all say it this way? Because there's tribulation in the world, aren't you glad there's God to go through it with you? You Do you want to do this without him? I want you to imagine what that's like. I'm going to take a moment here. Take your own suffering, whatever it is. However big it is, however dynamic it is. I think, Monty, is it six years? You have, was it Saturday? Friday. Six years Chris died. You needed God's grace through that journey. You need God's grace today. But God gives peace. Why? Because you trust God. But take, take your suffering, whatever it is, whatever trial or trouble you have, and it's all over this room. God is there for you. Imagine going through it without him. And what you have is one word, hopelessness. You want to talk about life being dark. If in this life we have hope only, do you think you'd be miserable? If you have hope only in what this life is? This world needs a savior. And all the suffering we experience is testimony of that fact. All right, so I'm going to transition here and know this before I do. Just remember this. He says, you're going to have tribulation in the world, but then he goes on to say, be of good cheer. And he says, I have overcome the world. Our victory is in Jesus. Our encouragement, our hope, our endurance, our what's in front of us of all the goodness that God has, it's because of Christ. And if you're not saved here today, I want to implore you to come to the hope that only God can give. And I would say it this way, you don't know what you're missing. Can I tell you this? I would rather go through life today 
broken with Christ and have never have a problem. Because the idea of never having a problem is a lie anyway. So be of good cheer. We have a Savior that's overcome the world and he's promised you resurrected life if you know him as your Savior. Amen? So in transition to this thought, can you think of anybody that suffered in the Bible? Call it out. Who suffered in the Bible? Job's first one I would think of. Paul. Someone said Joseph, he was the second one I thought of. Jesus, John, Daniel. You probably could go on for a while, couldn't you? Stop it, I'm preaching. <laughs> James 5.10, we took some time on. I'm going to give it to you. It says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience how to keep on going, how to endure, how to carry on in the midst of suffering. Take my brethren, the prophets, those who have gone on before us, who've walked in the Lord and spoken in the name of the Lord, look at them and you will find there are people who have suffered and yet have been faithful, blessed of God, honored of God. I just read Habakkuk the other day and it, the, the story of the book is a cry Lord, why aren't you doing what I want you to do in fixing all the mess of the world right now? And I'm going to paraphrase, and God says, well, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> and what is the end of the day? The end of the day is that God has a plan, and we can trust him. God has a plan, and we can trust him. I don't want to get too dicey here, but do you like the politics of our world today? I've got serious doubts, and by the way, I don't say this, um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this joyfully or with any degree of malice. I've got serious questions as to whether our president is going to finish his presidency because of health. I've got serious questions that way. And some people are like, well, boy, I, 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 I sure wish someone else was in the office. You may get it. You looking forward to that? What are we going to do? Are we just going to, are we going to pout and suck our thumbs and say, oh, when are we going to get somebody that does what we want? Not until you go to glory. And by the way, it's not our will, it's his. And praise God, he's got a plan. And he uses all of this stuff to navigate his purpose and his plan. He's an amazing, wonderful God. David said it this way, and you can take your Bibles here, Psalm 22. Whoever prayed that I would stop coughing, thank you. Psalm David says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded, but I am a worm. And no man a reproach of men. 
and despised of the people, all that they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. If you were to go forward, you would hear of how David says, my bones stared at me. This continual cry of I want out of this. Lord, you have the power to do so. Why don't you? I am in the midst of this right now and I want to be out of it. A few things about that. First of all, I'm going to tell you, I don't know that the prayer is a wrong prayer. David prayed it. It's in the Bible right here. I don't think it's a wrong prayer to pray to get out of suffering. I sure hope it's not a wrong prayer because I'd be in trouble. But there is then also a recognition that if God chooses not to take us out of it, that he can be trusted to carry us through it. And when you look at the concept of 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, it is God who comforts us in all of our tribulations. It is the nature of knowing that you are going to go through them and you had better know how to go through them. Otherwise, bad doctrine is going to give you bad behavior and bad feelings. What we recognize from the Bible is that all of us are going to experience suffering in this world and we need God's help to navigate it. So go back to Romans chapter 8 and we're going to come back to 2 Corinthians in just a moment. So Romans 8, 22 and 23. Romans 8, 22 and 23, 22 and 23, we read this. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Do you agree with what the Bible says here? Verse 23, and not only they, that is the world, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. This is talking about believers. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, to its end, the redemption of our what? Body. This is the hope of the doctrine of the Bible. Is that God is the one who heals all your diseases. We've referenced that in a previous message. God is the one who's the savior of the world. He's the one that is the peacemaker. You remember wonderful counselor? He's called the prince. Hello, the prince of peace. This world is not going to know peace until God accomplishes all his plan. But in the midst of what we're going through, we can have the peace of God in us. And he, I, want you to, I want you to kind of think of it this way. I'm not going to go and reference it again by reading it because I've already been there. But we read a passage recently, I think it was in Psalm 103, where it talked about the Lord remembering our frame. He knows we're dust. He knows what we're born to. He knows what we're dealing with, every one of you in this room. There's a song, I'm not good at this song because I don't know all the words, but it goes something like this. If we could see beyond today as God does see, if we could know, goes on, some as he does know, whatever the rhyme is. (laughs) 
But it goes on to say, but in grace avail he doth put in our way so that we don't see all that we're going to face and fret over what we're going to face in the future. What, what God wants you to do, are you with me? Is to trust him now in your present circumstance. And in the chapters that come to the end, he tells you to trust him now. He tells you how it's going to end if you know Christ is your savior, but he doesn't fill in the gap. This gap is a life of faith and trusting a God who's big enough to help me in my present need. The world groans in this. We groan in this and have the hope of glory, the redemption of our body where God is going to wipe away every tear. God is going to take away all of our present suffering. What's the song? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase, so bravely run the race, till we see Christ. Amen. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. It doesn't have a period there has a comma because it has more of a statement for us to know. In other words, God comforts us. We're to comfort others, but by design, God uses our tribulation to fit us, to enable us to comfort others who need comfort as well. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, I'm not a fan of asking God why. But this is a partial answer as to why we suffer. Agreed? We are called to suffering that we didn't get to choose because God wants to be God to us in that suffering. God wants us to know him that th through that particular venue of suffering. God wants to work his will and navigation through pressure in our lives because of that suffering. God wants to use it in us. But he also wants to use it in us for others. And we need to reconcile this doctrine to our hearts because you're not going to be able to comfort others if you're still operating in bad doctrine as to why me, why me, why me, why me. I don't know how you are when you hurt yourself. I, I have a typical reaction. Many times I've done it. I've been in my garage working, and I can think of one time where I did something and, and there's blood. Okay, I, I, I cut myself and this is what I do. It's part of my heritage. <laughs> I have a great-great-grandmother who was full, I think it was great-great, back there somewhere, um, 
full blood Cherokee. And I, I don't know for sure it's why I do this, but when I get injured, I, I break out into an Indian war cry dance. In my garage, I'll be hopping up and down and <laughs> some of you have the same heritage you don't know it as you claim it on your tax forms. I don't know. Anyway, um, <clears throat> we suffer. We go through stuff. And there's a time where in the immediacy of our suffering, the pain, we cry out. Good doctrine brings peace. Good doctrine brings a place of being settled. It's one thing to have the immediate reaction of, oh, it's another thing to come to peace. And coming to peace says this, yes, there's suffering in the world. I have a good God who's going to carry me through it. And I can tell others about the good God who carries me. And by the way, again, uh, I feel foolish in this. Most of the church <coughs> has, I mean, the church has been very sympathetic and very compassionate to the circumstance that our family has faced. But I'm not the only one. You're, you've gone through things and go through things as well. But I want to do not just my part, but to give my testimony to this. God is good and does not fail you, will not fail you, and he is as strong as ever to carry you through. To say it differently, God will help you. He comforts you in your distresses. But he wants to use your testimony of what you've gone through to point other people to him. You cannot do that if you stay stuck on the question of why, oh why, oh why, oh why, oh why. You have to come to a place of, God, I trust you. I don't need your answer. By the way, I'm gonna tell you the answers that we assign to suffering, I think many times are wrong. God must be teaching me a lesson. Yeah, okay. God must be doing this because of this. You don't know that. But if you want an answer of why, there it is. You want to know why? Here's an answer. So that the God who comforts you will be used in your life to point other people to the same God who comforts you so that they can be comforted as well. Why? You want to know the love of God? He cares about your suffering, whatever it is. God is not pleased with the idea that we live in a sin-cursed world navigating broken. But God is pleased to use that to be there for you, to carry you, to be your savior of all of that, to give you the hope of glory, the reality that you are as a believer in Jesus Christ are going to be in heaven, that there'll be no pain and no suffering and no crying and no sickness and no death because of Jesus. He's a God of hope. And while that hope is what's in front of, in our end, God wants to carry you right where you are. But there has to be a transition by doctrine in your life. Lord, I am going to accept whatever you have for me. And by your grace and on purpose, based on doctrine, Lord, I want to use what you're doing in my life, not only for my own good and receive the peace and comfort that you give me,
But Lord, help me to use it to point other people to you. And Lord, help me use it to help other believers who are suffering. Whose chapter in their life presently is dark. Whose pain is real. Whose hurting stands before their face continually. With this, we're done. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. The uniqueness of God's design in the body of Christ is that he uses everybody. He uses everybody. And what you've gone through, he's going to carry you. He's going to help you. But also, he wants to use you and what you've gone through to draw other people to him and comfort others. So God is actively using the variety in the body of Christ and what you've seen and what you've experienced because you are the one who can best minister to that situation. It's not always your pastor or a deacon. It's you. You. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17, like I said, we'll be done with this. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting, what's the next word? Consolation. Listen to this. And good hope through grace. Verse 17, he says this. Comfort your hearts. Establish you in every good word and work. God wants to do that in you. And will. Folks, remember God is faithful. And he's good to you even in the midst of suffering. Don't lose sight of it. I understand the cry. I understand the scream. I understand the panic sometimes. But come back to doctrine. Come back to the nature of God's character and who he is. Hey, ignore that fly over there. I'm right here. I got a question for you. Has God comforted you? Is God helping you? Thank God for it in this praise and worship service right now. Thank God for it. And then do this. Ask God, Lord, how would you use the unique story of my life and what I've gone through to help someone know you or to help somebody who's suffering right now? Lord, May you be seen in me.